Blog Talk Radio. The following is a disclaimer. The views and opinions expressed on this show are those of the host, guest, and callers, and are not necessarily those of the Roman Show Network, its management, or other advertisers. Listen to their struggles as they turn them into triumphs. In a city full of challenges, they only search for victory, and nothing will hold them back. These are their stories, so sit back, relax, and welcome to their city. Wrestle City Radio. Hello folks, welcome to another great edition of Russell City Radio. I am your host, George Alonzo. Welcome to the city that these pro wrestlers all built their stories. You're going to hear all their stories go from struggle to triumph. That's what Russell City is all about. And speaking about wrestling, and before I talk about our episode here today, I am honored to have a wrestler as a new co-host, but now I consider her a sister. I'm talking about the one, the only, FEW's, one of FEW's top rising stars, Red Velvet. How are you, Red? I'm great, George. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Welcome back. Uh, well, technically, welcome back for me. I'm back in Jer- from Jersey. Yeah. Uh, but you just also had a successful uh, weekend yourself at FEW. Uh, how did that go? Uh, it was great. Uh, I've been a little out of action due to an injury, but it was amazing coming back. The crowd, the people, the talent I got to uh, share the locker room with and just all the advice they gave to me was amazing. And it felt great to be home. Well, mind you, uh, you know, Red, I have to say this for the record. You know, things just going to keep on going, growing for you because now you're part of Russell City Radio. You're going to be hearing all these great people talk to you, and, and it's going to be kind of like a learning procedure in a way uh, while your days go by here, but at the same time, it's going to be fun, and uh, you've got to put up with me, so I think that's enough for your picture. That's the best part. Oh, oh really? I, I, I feel so alive. Oh, you actually are the first person to talk nice about me. You don't give yourself enough credit, but um, I think it's gonna be it's gonna be an amazing experience. I'm very grateful for the experience. Uh, I think it's gonna help me pick up on a lot and just pick at so many people's brains through my own growing process for my career. So I'm definitely excited. And it's always a good time being in here. You never know what to expect, especially from you, George. <laughs> Wait a minute. Is that supposed that? That was a good thing. <laughs> I, was gonna I say, promise. I, I was going to say, what, what can, hmm, I wonder. You might that, cry again, you know. Uh, I don't know. You might have a point there. <laughs> but uh, because I am an emotional person, like, thank God you're not, you're tough, you're, you're powerful, you're, you, you're a great family person. And, and 
I know you have your emotions too. Oh, of course. But I'm not trying to say you're you're cold as ice like a skeleton or something. But but you have your emotions too. But me, I'm just like that person that you say, oh look, uh, 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 sundown. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. <laughs> anyway. He's crying right now. He's yeah, trying to I'm, laugh. I'm, I'm, uh, damn onions. Were you cutting onions? I was not. <laughs> anyway, so guys, welcome to another edition of Russell City Radio. What a show we have here lined up for you today. Uh, guys, we have a special guest here coming on our program today. We have none other than Mr. Dan Binon coming on our show. Uh, he was a former director of WCW, WCCW, and Ring of Honor on top of that. He's also uh, was he helped Michael PSAs of the Fabulous Freebirds, known to the world now as also a WWE agent. Uh, he helped them create the famous music video in professional wrestling, practically the first tag team to ever use rock in their you know entrance music. I'm talking about the Fabulous Freebirds, Bad Street USA. He's going to be here today, and what an honor it will be. Uh, you know, to talk to him today. So on top of that, we also have a couple of things to talk about, like Monday Night Raw, obviously, going into tonight. Uh, we have a good, We also have, of course, independent wrestling news. Yeah. As, uh, you know, last week, I need to break this out to our listeners. Steve Mason will not be with us for a couple of weeks as he is working on, on other com- uh, couple of projects, but he will be back. He said he'll be back, but right now he's... Uh, Filled for the time being. I have found a person to fill that spot. You have. Yep. I hope the person accepts it, but we will confirm it tomorrow. And just like when I confirmed you, Red, I'll put out a photo about oh, it. Oh, can't <laughs> see that. And so, and, and let me just say this. I, I think I am going to have to put a competition on the line here of who has the most energy. You or I'll put out a clue here. Her. It's a her. Oh, it's on and popping. Nobody has more energy than me, okay? You know who you're talking to? I'm straight out of your mama's kitchen, okay? I'm always on I don't know from what the things I've been reading on her part. She oh. seems very energetic. She, she's trying to change the business as we speak here in South Florida. No, I'm intrigued. Let's see. Let's see about that, George. Guys, for all you listening, uh, if you ever want to get Red Velvet stuck on the situation, just tease her like this. It gets her every time. Yeah. <laughs> so you start crying again later in this interview. Screw. Anyway. You got me crying Anyway, guys, so speaking of today, Monday Night Raw, Brock Lesnar returns tonight. He's actually opening up Monday Night Raw. And uh, Red, a quick question because I know you're always busy training, and I know it's very tough to actually sit down and and watch wrestling for a tough schedule like you. Uh, did you get to watch Raw last week? I did not. Okay. I'll be honest. I saw bits and pieces of it. You know, there's always the little things you hear, mm-hmm. people commenting about it, but unfortunately, I did not. I went from Wrestle City Radio straight to bed. <laughs> it was a long day for me that day, but no, I did not catch up with it. No, the reason why I ask also is because, like I said, you know, it's not like you have a little, hey, double work, go home, get in bed, and, 
and, and play video games. Not saying that's a bad thing either, because shoot, if I was given the opportunity, I would do it too. But basically, uh, you literally get out of work, go train, uh, then go to gyms, and then finally, probably by 12, 1 o'clock, you finally hit the bed. So you, you constantly are working seven days a week. Yeah, I mean, it's nonstop. Uh, I still often do help out a couple friends and do dance shows with them too. So those dance rehearsals can go a little long and I'll, you know, go to work, get off of work, go to practice, get off of practice, go to a rehearsal and then go to sleep. So it's tough, but I wouldn't change it. You know, I can sleep when I'm dead. So (laughs) I'll appreciate it now. Listen, I'm missing sleep right now. I've only been running on three hours of sleep since Jersey. I hear you. Me too. <laughs> I, I, I'm so, like, right now saying, if I had an opportunity, because I still have to work after this show, if I had an opportunity to lay on a bed right now, I don't think you could wake me up in the next 20, 48 hours. Probably not. You'd be out cold. Would you host this show if I was out cold? Maybe, but it would <laughs> be an interesting segment. Anyway, but basically last week, guys, uh, one of the segments that really stole the show to a lot of people's eyes was Samoa Joe and Paul Heyman in the ring together, where in the end, Samoa Joe choked out Paul Heyman. I did see that. I yeah, that. so <laughs> a lot of people said that that was the most epic promo they've seen in a long time on Monday Night Raw, and everyone's eyes was glued to that segment, and now Brock Lesnar will be opening up Raw today to talk about that situation, and it makes me go even crazier for that main event between Joe and Lesnar. And if you haven't seen the uh, the poster for it, it basically, uh, I forgot which Jim Carrey movie it is where he has all this writing on his face. Uh, it's a horror movie, but basically, uh, you will see both of their faces with a bunch of writing on their face saying fighter, blood, uh, MMA, um, uh, submission, uh, Samoa. You get that anticipation for Joe and Lesnar. And on top of that, because last week, they didn't, well, Joe on this hand, didn't even show fear or like say, hey, I'm going to beat him up kind of deal. It's going to be a fight, and I cannot wait to see this at Great Balls of Fire, which, by the way, I'm still going for that turkey meat, uh, meatballs, the Italian meatballs, and the buffalo meatballs. Hopefully you'll be here for that. Uh, there's food out there. So, <laughs> but sorry to interrupt you. said, you know, that Brock Lesnar will come out tonight and talk. Doubt that. He doesn't talk. So I definitely think we're going to see a little preview, a little fight, and – Definitely got to catch up with that. I think it's going to be uh, very good when they go, you know, toe-to-toe. Time out. Did you just correct me? No, I said sorry to interrupt you. I think I'm going to have to step out of retirement one more time. Oh, yeah? All right. (laughs) Step into the kitchen, then. Anyway, don't test me with cooking, okay? I could cook. Uh, But (laughs) this is going, like, so around the world here. Going great. But again, guys, uh, another situation that's really grinding my gears to steal from Peter Griffin is <laughs> it is basically this attack out of nowhere for Alexa Bliss. Um, and, and I have to say something, and I got to throw it out there with all respect in the world. Trust me, I respect everyone's opinion. But once you start saying she's as a worker or she's horrible, she doesn't deserve that title, she doesn't... Listen, 
for the record, I respect your opinion, but let me at least speak mine too. You have no idea how hard she has fought to get there. If you saw her biography, if you saw her video biography of how she almost died twice for eating disorders, and on top of that, her training regimen, her support, on the, her, like how hard she is on herself. And then on top of that, she was by far one of the top-ranked SmackDown women's champions. She was the top heel on SmackDown when she was the champion. They transferred over her over to Raw because they saw that potential. She still does. Now, to be like when everyone's labeling Alexa Bliss and Bailey being the worst match in Extreme Rules in history, listen, what did, what did you expect in a Singapore on a cane match? That was not going to be a wrestling match. That was going to be a hardcore match. I guarantee you, Red, if they put them both in a regular match, they probably would steal the show. I mean, going back to that, like you said, everyone has their opinion. And I also think in respect to her, a lot of people, um, how can I say it, don't really understand or put their shoes in her place. It's hard, man. Mm -hmm. It's, It's hard, and it takes a lot of work. And until you do it, sometimes you won't understand it. So it's kind of easy to just fall back and and criticize. But, you know, I've been there, done that. I've had sleepless nights. I've had to fight through injuries, still get in the ring and say, you know what, this injury doesn't matter. I got to tape it up, keep going. There's people out there that you're trying to make proud. And and you're under a microscope. Everyone's watching you. So everyone's always going to have something to say about you. But um, it's a tough business, and not everyone makes it. So she's already needs, you know, I put my hat down to her that mm-hmm. she she's made it. Mm-hmm. So, of course, everyone's going to criticize her, but you got to be there to really understand the hard work that it takes. And she puts in that work, man, because she's up there, you know. She's up there where everybody else wants to be. Now, Red, I have a question for you because you being a women's worker. When you first entered the business, fan-wise, uh, I'm pretty sure you heard of people around or maybe other peers or something. Like, uh, because Alexa Bliss, when, before she even entered the wrestling world, she was a fitness model. She was also a, uh, you know, she was also a cheerleader, thank you, um, and, and so on and so forth. And on top of that, she's tried out for many other things, but she never tried out to be a professional wrestler. She was a fan of it, but that was the last thing that came to her mind until one day she decided, hey, I'm going to go train. So with all that being said, when the process began from, say, for example, the cheerleader part, when the process started from cheerleader over to pro wrestling, I'm pretty sure there was people in the middle between that process saying, oh, this cheerleader is not going to make it. You know, this is, she completely do different things. Of course. You know, whereas, say, instance, you, again, now putting you in the driver's seat here, like dancing into wrestling, fitness, into wrestling, two different kind of things, except for fitness. Fitness does have a lot to do with pro wrestling. You know, uh, and in that case, I'm going to go ahead and, and stand my game here and say, yeah, they might be two different things, but the heart and the drive are the same thing. Exactly. I mean, you can't, you can't teach passion. And whichever way her route was, she got there. She put in, you know, the blood, sweat, and tears, I'm sure, and she got there, so I have much respect for her. 
same thing happened to me. You know, you ha- I had a lot of doubters in the beginning uh, with when I decided to switch gears. She's also a small girl, just like me. So it's just that extra doubt that everyone has that you're not going to make it. But she pushed through, and, you know, from from what I see, she looks like a lovely girl and a very incredible, mm-hmm. talented athlete. So I have nothing but respect for her. And Same here. And all the drive and passion that she's put, and that's where she is, why she is where she is. To be honest with you, I still think Alexa Bliss is a role model to a lot of young ladies out Definitely. there. Definitely. Uh, and, and same and same thing could be said about Bailey, because it's a shame that, and again, all this weight is put on their shoulders, okay? And not by anyone's fault, not even their own, but all this weight was put on their shoulders after their match at Extreme Rules, where even last week on Monday Night Raw, when Bailey was introduced, all you heard was booze. And it's sad because here's a person that started off with a standing ovation, and now she's getting booze. Now, let me just say for the record, if the fans start booing Bailey. By all means, let it happen because of I would love to see a heel baby. I think she can bounce back. I think it's also uh, a moment where she she will show is she going to sink because they're not behind her or is she going to capture them mm-hmm. and take them with her whether she is heel or baby. Yeah, Triple H always said it best. You have to adapt to what the fans want. So if they're booing me, then I gotta be a heel. You gotta run with it. If they wanna cheer me, then I gotta be a face. And even some of your great trainers that you work with right now tell you, hey, I, I'm not gonna be, you know, what I want. I'm gonna be what they want. And, and basically, I, I have to say, you know, it, it's one of the best options in pro wrestling, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, now that you say that, actually, uh, we had a really deep talk uh, this weekend in the locker room with uh, Mr. Pope Elijah Berg and and the headbangers and they actually said the exact same thing you know you can go out there and and you can have in your head what you want to be but at the end of the day those people out there they're the ones that decide Mm -hmm. they're the ones that are going to decide if they want to boo you whether you come out clapping your hands, cheering, and thinking that you're going to, you know, get over with them, they can just boo you because if they just don't like you, that's just the way they are. But what matters the most is how you're going to shine and break through from it. Are you going to run with it, or are you going to think? Now, going off of what you said there, like, honest to God, I'm still a fan of Bailey, no matter what face or heel, but I would love to see Bailey turn heel. Now that I think about that, can you imagine the Bailey heel, like, you will hear her theme song, probably a little remix, because it happens every single time someone turns heel, uh, and her going to hug someone, and then all of a sudden, nope. Yeah. God, that, will, that will hurt some people, man. I mean, it's going to be interesting. Definitely will be interesting to see if, if she does uh, take a heel turn. I, I actually have to think, ask, ask myself, if Bailey turned the heel, would that affect the fans, like they, it, it affected Hulk Hogan when he turned heel and turned joined the NWO. Because one thing I will never forget is when Hogan turned heel for his many years of saying, eat your prayers, say your, per- eat your prayers, <laughs> say your <laughs> prayers, <laughs> eat your vitamins. Uh, you know, for so many years, I lived off of that. And all of a sudden, here's a guy leg-dropping Macho Man in the middle of the WCW ring, 
and then all you see on the floor is trash, pure trash. Like people literally filled the ring with trash. And I wondered if something like that will happen with Bailey. Do, do you think it'll happen? Uh, can't really put my finger on what might happen. They might just go crazy for it. They might mm. love that she's not that little nice girl anymore. You, like I said, you just never know. Once you go through that curtain, you never know. You might have something pictured in your head, but these people will pick you up and spin you around and just make you go with it. And you either, you got to adapt to it. So, I mean, if it comes and it's her time to turn, I definitely want to, I definitely want to see that. Well, one person that will definitely have an answer for us all is someone who writes for Backstage, someone who is was a director for WCW and WCCW and Ring of Honor. So he knows the ins and outs of everything that happens backstage. So let's go ahead and reach out to our guest of the evening, Mr. Dan Binam. I hope I'm not mastering his last name. You know that? Can you imagine it said another way and then all the time with this thing? I so need to work on my... my uh, uh, hello, Mr. Binam? Okay, he is connected. Uh, Mr. Binham, are you there? Okay, uh, Mr. Binham, I cannot hear you. If you're on the line, uh, I don't know what line you're using. Okay. Let's see what's going on here. Let me go ahead and tell him to call in because uh, something's happening with his line. He did answer, though. God, do you just not, do you love live radio? Of course. That's why we're also known as the most real talk show on the net. Yeah, you can't the, plan these things sometimes. You gotta just go with what happens. Yeah, it happens though. Like, it, it, it comes with the program. I'm used to it. There's been situations where, uh, you know, lines just get disconnected out of random per se, so, but right now I'm trying to figure out what was going on with that line uh, or that situation because we could not hear Mr. Benham. He was on the line. He was connected, but uh, we couldn't hear him, so let, let's see what's going on. And I'm just waiting on his response right now because apparently he's, he's writing. So while we're doing that, let's go ahead and, and speak on other situations. Uh, you know, aside from Bailey, Alexa Bliss, and of course Brock Lesnar, Savoa Joe, uh, we also have Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins, and Bray Wyatt seemingly working a program together. Yeah. And, and to be honest with you, I'd rather see damn, who would I rather see work a program? Huh. Figure out who I'd rather see work a program with Bray Wyatt. I, I think I will go with Seth Rollins, to be honest with you. Yeah, I think uh, Bray Wyatt has had a, a couple storylines with people and different um, superstars, and they've been great. So I think it'd be interesting to see him match up with Seth Rollins. But yeah, like I just figured that it would be better to get something fresh. And on top of that, I feel like uh, 
Well, speaking of fresh, I think he called in. Let's see if the lines got fixed. Uh, Mr. Bidham, are you there? I am, and it's Bynum, but I'm here, bro. Oh, Bynum. But the, well, what were we just talking about while we, we were calling? I massacred his last name, Red. I told you. <laughs> uh, sorry about that, Mr. Bynum. How are you? I'm doing fantastically. I'm uh, sitting here in beautiful Denver, Colorado, and uh, loving being a mile high. Oh, that's awesome. Like, uh, I, you know, I've yet to visit Colorado, but everyone that and their mother that visits that place, including my sister, has told me, hey, it's one of the most beautiful places to visit, the mountains, the snow, etc. I'm dying to visit that place. No, it's a paradise, and there actually is some pretty good uh, independent wrestling here, too. So you could take a busman's holiday out here and uh, see some wrestling and see some beautiful mountains as well. Well, Mr. Bynum, uh, me and Red might uh, take you on that opportunity and probably be heading out to Colorado soon. <laughs> uh, maybe, Definitely. Huh? Definitely. Yeah, because it, it, by all means, if it's an opportunity to see snow and, and mountains, as long as Red is not throwing snowballs at my face, I'll be happy. I might. You know, I've never seen snow. You've never seen snow? Nope. My 25 years, I've never seen snow, so I am throwing a Mr. Bynum, we might have to take Red to, to Colorado there. <laughs> but well, I, I know all the good spots, so y'all come. Oh, uh, awesome. Well, there you go. We have a... We have, Perfect. Thank you so very much for that, Mr. Bynum. Now, with all seriousness, I have to say thank you so very much from the bottom of my heart for supporting us first and foremost, but at the same time also having giving some of us uh, your time to speak about your stories with ROH, WCW, WCCW, and of course even we're going to talk about the Bad Street uh, USA music video that you helped produce as well. But basically, uh, Mr. Bynum, I, I have to start by asking you this. You know, you being one of the guys who worked very, very hard backstage, uh, whether it was producing, directing, uh, helping screenwrite, et cetera, et cetera, uh, you know, that's one thing that the internet wrestling community likes to point fingers at nowadays and say, oh, my God, who's writing this stuff? To show the wrestling world, at least the internet wrestling community, to show how like tough it is for you guys backstage. Can you tell us a little bit about the responsibilities you guys had? Well, it's, uh, it, it changed a lot from when I started at the Sportatorium in Dallas uh, with Fritz Von Erich because that was deep in the total kayfabe era. So uh, it, was, it was totally kayfabe, the, like the first... Ten rows in the sportatorium were true believers, and so you wanted to respect that and give them the uh, ability to suspend their disbelief and totally uh, get it, it involved in the the stories and everything. And so, at that point, uh, it was kayfabe to the TV people too. So we pretty much didn't have any idea what was going to happen in World Class Championship Wrestling. Did not have any idea of finishing moves or anything like that. Uh, what we were able to do was coach the guys on where the, the cameras would be, uh, you know, and uh, uh, just have it be more well-produced than uh, uh, previously. But, 
what we were mainly just in charge of documenting what happened in the ring. Now, uh, as I moved into world championship wrestling in Atlanta, we were more privy to what was going to happen, kind of knew where where it was going to happen and perhaps maybe what the finishing move was. But as far as input uh, into booking or anything like that, uh, if you didn't wear the tights, then you didn't really have a voice in the booking room. You were just in there to listen and and make sure you knew what was going to happen and get it covered. And then in, in Ring of Honor, uh, working with Jim Cornette and uh, later with Delirious, uh, uh, it was more of a partnership, and uh, we would discuss uh, creative things that uh, we could do in the various uh, places that we were shooting and, and ways to maximize what they were trying to do. And it, But uh, they had a pretty good idea of how the booking was going to go. And so anything that I would uh, input into any of those decisions would be more of a uh, technical thing, more of uh, we need to do that in front of the ring where I can see what's going to happen type of thing. But uh, you don't really have any creative input as far as the the stories and the and the that part of the booking. Uh, and, and with so many people that you've worked with, like you were mentioning, uh, one of them, which again we will be talking about in a few, with the uh, you know you also helping with the Bad Street USA music video. One of the guys that you constantly worked with as well with was Michael Hayes, and of course the Rock and Roll Express and a few. And finally, all these people uh, that you did work with are being put into the WWE Hall of Fame um, just recently. Fabulous Freebirds. Uh, you know, same people that helped with the Best for USA. Uh, you know, the Rock and Roll Express just this past year. Uh, like, what, what were you going through your mind when you, said, you saw all these co- former co-workers slash friends entering probably one of the biggest Hall of Fames in professional wrestling? Without a doubt, it was it was a real thrill because Michael invited me to Dallas to to be at the Hall of Fame when he got inducted, and so to see to be in Dallas where it all began for us uh, all these many years later, and to see him uh, reach the, the he he and Jimmy Garvin uh, the, the the remaining living Freebirds, it was so thrilling to see them get the accolades that they deserve for being a part of what I consider is the greatest feud in the history of professional wrestling, the Freebird Bonaire feud. Uh, and uh, they are, were so deserving. It was a thrill to be in Dallas and see everybody there. And uh, it was also thrilling to see Jim Cornette in uh, induct the rock and roll into the Hall of Fame, also a uh, well-deserved honor, and to and Jim is one of the one of my greatest friends in the business. So it was thrilling to see that and see those guys get honored. But but it's uh, it is kind of daunting to look back and, and see that now you're a part of history. You're and uh, it's uh, it's it's exciting and thrilling and and so fun to see all of the hard work that we did and the creative things that we did back, especially with world-class championship wrestling, to, to have that acknowledged and to uh, 
be remembered. It was thrilling to see Bad Street USA to be played at the WWE Hall of Fame ceremony, and uh, it was a historic piece of work that I'm incredibly proud of, and uh, and I, I'm thrilled that uh, the boys made it to the big time. Yeah, so am I. Uh, again, those were two top tag teams that that I grew up watching, and I loved them every second of them. Uh, from when they uh, well, Rock and Roll Express were always two guys, but the Fabulous Freebirds when they were four down to three down to two, you know, it was amazing, uh, an amazing adventure with the Fabulous Freebirds. Uh, and before I ask you about the Bad Street USA question. I have to ask, uh, Mr. Bynum, uh, is there anyone that you've worked with or anyone that comes to your mind that you feel like is deserving of a WWE Hall of Fame that hasn't arrived in there yet? Wow. I mean, the list is long, actually, but uh, <laughs> and uh, I would, I'm not prepared to answer that, so I don't want to, I don't want to go on the record and get myself in trouble, but there's a lot of people that I think deserve to be there, a lot of people that were in the NWA and were actually, uh, as well as in the AWA. I mean, there were three big promotions. I was always an NWA guy. The WWE was always the, the uh, hated opposition. But uh, the way that it has all been uh, folded into the WWE and they have uh, taken – the, the video archives and done a good job with uh, archiving those and making those available for people to see. It's been very fun to have people be able to see all the world-class championship wrestling shows. Uh, we think that that was uh, the show that, that really kicks off modern wrestling. I think we changed the way that wrestling was covered by the way that we produced that show. Uh, Prior to to Fritz coming to uh, Channel 39 in Dallas uh, to to do that syndicated show, and generally it was was two two hard cameras. There was a wide shot and a tight shot, and people would walk over to the hard cameras to do their stand-up interviews. And, uh, you know, that was the way wrestling was covered. But at Channel 39 back in the early 80s, we had a television truck there, and we were going out every weekend to uh, shoot uh, live sports, mainly college sports for ESPN or other sports networks. So we had a crew of guys that would go out every week and cover sports and with multiple cameras, with multiple microphones, uh, and it was a great crew that was super professional. And and when Chris came, and uh, actually it was it was Bill Mercer and uh, Mickey Grant got together. They had uh, known each other when they were on the radio on the Ron Chapman show on KVIL. But Bill, Bill Mercer was a wrestling aficionado from way back, and he saw an opportunity for Fritz to do a syndicated show. Fritz had the, the show on Channel 11 every Saturday night, uh, which was there in the Dallas ADI, but uh, there was an opportunity to start syndicating, and so when Fritz came to Channel 39 and we started shooting at the Sportatorium, we didn't know any better, so we 
covered it like a sport. We had the, the ring, we mic'd up so you could hear all of the impact noise and the, the ropes flopping, and it, it made it a lot more exciting. We had two handheld guys uh, who became famous in their own right. Uh, Oz Coleman and Vic Sosa were the handheld guys in the Sportatorium. And uh, having those tight shots there and, and, and getting such an intimate coverage with the, the, the tight cameras and the better audio, I, that world-class championship wrestling show blew up in syndication. It was syndicated worldwide. And uh, I really believe that uh, Keith Mitchell was the producer, and uh, I was honored to direct that show. And I really think what we did there changed professional wrestling and brought professional wrestling into the modern era, uh, both uh, as a as an idea that you could syndicate, and that just the the more uh, live sports coverage of it. Because we covered it with, with tremendous respect for the sport. We respected it as a sport, and we covered it as a sport, and I know that respect for, uh, for what the guys were doing in the ring translated over, and uh, it just uh, really made that show uh, revolutionary in the business, I believe, and I'm, I'm so proud to have been a part of that. Well, Mr. Burnham, like on top of that, like talking about revolution and talking about changing the world of professional wrestling, let's touch on something. And uh, by the way, for the ones listening, I'm also gonna. This is my last question before I turn it over to Red, who who's been dying to talk to you, uh, Mr. Dead. <laughs> the, well, you're excited to talk to him, uh, but hey. <laughs> so anyway, but the point is, is uh, what I wanted to ask you, Dan is, uh, you know, with the, with the revolution, how you were just talking about and how you changed, how the, everything changed the world of professional wrestling. One of the top things that comes to my mind, and it would always, would ne- I will never forget it, because Michael PSA said it, that he was the first ever, they were the first ever tag team to come out with rock and roll in their theme music. And basically, they changed the world as far as professional wrestling and sports entertainment is concerned when it comes to music and, of course, wrestling. Uh, and, of course, you helped produce and direct the Bad Street USA music video. To this day, is one of the most popular songs in wrestling history. So tell us about your, your, your time working on that, man. Well, it it came uh, as a part of the World Class Championship Wrestling show, and uh, Jimmy Papa is a music producer, a fabulous drummer in Dallas, and he, with Michael Hayes, had written Bad Street USA, and now this was extremely revolutionary in wrestling because this was absolutely the first time that a song was custom-written for wrestlers to enter, and uh, it was, uh, and so uh, they came to us with the idea of doing a music video. Uh, This was early in 1984. It was the beginning of uh, MTV. It was right in the middle of the MTV revolution, and music video was the hot medium there. So, uh, we, it was in, uh, I believe, March 
1984, we shot uh, over the course of one incredibly long day, almost 24 straight hours, we shot this music video. And it was, it was a thing where the guys would come to town uh, at the end of the week to uh, wrestle at the sportatorium. So for their schedule, we had to put it all together then. We shot a, uh, a series of WCCW shows uh, at, uh, at the sportatorium Friday night. After that, we had a party at some rock club, and we cast the punks that came down the street. Uh, so that went late into the night, and then it was an early morning shoot out at the uh, the, the uh, film studios in uh, North Dallas, uh, and we shot the uh, the music part of it, the the live performance of the band in one of the big um, movie studios after the Las Colinas Studios there in Dallas. We had uh, a, a full film shoot. I had a brilliant uh, uh, director of production, Gilles Chevalier, a French guy that was in town, uh, and he was brilliant about the lighting and knew knew the the, uh, the film camera very well. And uh, I had uh, some some really good help on my staff. Uh, Jacqueline Cumming was my uh, script uh, supervisor kept me in line and made, got, made sure that we got all the shots. And so we shot for several hours that morning at the, uh, at the film studio. We got all of the performance footage, and then we moved to the Bad Street set, which was just north of downtown Dallas. Uh, Dallas was was moving northward. It was becoming gentrified that way. This was a uh, a place where working class people had lived, but it, the the, the uh, downtown was moving into it. So this was a bunch of old houses that were slated to be demolished uh, a week later, and this became the setting for Bath Street USA. Uh, it was oh, a shoot wow. that we did at night. And uh, we shot there using some of the uh, local people. Old Lady McGuff- McGuffey was a lady that lived in one of the houses up the street. But uh, uh, we shot through the night, overnight, uh, to get all of the, the Bad Street footage. And then we brought all of that footage back. We uh, converted it to videotape. I had a fantastic uh, tape editor uh, there, Norman Jones, who worked with us on the TV show. But he was the guy that edited that video and made it so special. And then on the evening after the big uh, David Von Erich Memorial uh, matches that we had at Texas Stadium, where Terry Von Erich took the, took the belt from Rick Flair uh, that huge day, we also there was also a, a wild uh, Freebirds versus Von Erich uh, tag team match. But that night, we all limoed over to a club in North Dallas and premiered Bad Street USA. Uh, it went on to win the Buddy Magazine Award for Best Texas Music Video, uh, and uh, I, that is 
one of the, the greatest pieces of work that I've ever done in my career. And I'm so thrilled to be able to work with Michael. He's still a good friend of mine, as is Jimmy Papa. Uh, and it was, uh, you know, just to, to have that in the memory bank is uh, so thrilling. But, yeah, that was a Hall of Fame moment there, and it was an incredible experience. And I'm still super proud of the video, uh, low these 30, uh, 33 years later. No, yeah, and, I, and trust me, if I was in your shoes then, I would feel the same way because uh, that, like I said, that song and that music video to, to this day, and again, we're, we're talking about years apart, is still one of the most popular music videos in wrestling history, besides uh, Power Driver, <laughs> the uh, Hulk Hogan, the Vince Man Hulk Hogan music video. But uh, basically, um, I, I have to say it was a fantastic thing. Uh, I, I still watch it. It's one of my favorite songs to this day, actually. And, and I have to uh, ask you then, like, I, I know we were talking about the, the making of the video and, and so on and so forth. And, and Brett, I'm sorry. I, I'm going to have to ask one more before I go. Go for it. Go uh, for it. I'm but, intrigued. Uh, basically, <laughs> but then, basically, I wanted to ask you because I, I remember hearing Mr. Hayes and and Mr. Garvin talk about fun stories that they had with Mr. Gordy and Mr. Roberts uh, during their time in the Fabulous Freebirds era. Like, did you have any uh, fun stories that you, you have permission to say uh, during your filming of Best for USA with them? Well, uh, it, was, it was mainly we were just working as hard as we could. Uh, the, the fun was being had. There were a couple of uh, large uh, RVs there that, were, that the guys would hang out in uh, as we were preparing the next shot. And so uh, there were lots of I, – and I, unfortunately, was working throughout all of this, but there was some great storytelling going on in there. And I wish we had had a camera in there to record some of what went on while they were waiting on us to uh, to get ready for the next shot. But uh, the the boys were always a lot of fun, uh, and uh, most of it I can't talk about, frankly. <laughs> no, I understood, understood. <laughs> uh, <laughs> for my own safety. <laughs> or else uh, Mr. Hayes would be knocking on your door and saying, why do you say that story? <laughs> and yeah, exactly. Th- no, I understand. I completely understand, Dan. So basically, I have a couple more questions left, but before I do, I want to pass it to this young lady right here who, like I was telling you before you came on, she's an up-and-comer. She She's fully driven in this world of professional wrestling. And maybe she can learn some stuff off of you right now. So, uh, Red Velvet, uh, take it away. Thank you, George. Well, um, first, I just want to say thank you for coming on the show and for uh, allowing me to pick at your brain for a second. Um, You said something a little earlier about, you know, the first 10 rows being kayfabe, even about the finishers back then as from worker to producer, because you see things from a different end than we do. There was a lot back then, um, I guess you could say it was easier because there wasn't a lot of social media. Do you feel that social media nowadays has helped the business or not really from your well, point it's, of view? It's, it's certainly made it a different thing. And, uh, uh, and, by, and what I was talking about the first 10 rows, those were people that 
totally believed in professional wrestling. That to them it was a shoot, and I felt that I had a responsibility to those guys to to put together a program with enough plausibility quotient that they could comfortably suspend their disbelief and totally believe what was happening. And so that was why kayfabe was so important at that time. There was a different door that heels would come into the sportatorium than the baby faces. And if yeah. you were a masked character, you you left. You, you, no, one, no one saw you come in or out without your mask. You rode in your car away from the event. You, were, you maintained kayfabe the whole time. And, that, and never in social, out, out in, in, at a bar or anything after the matches, heels and baby faces never socialized. And to me, that was fantastic because I, I love professional wrestling uh, on many levels, but to me it's a folk art. It is uh, an incredible uh, social uh, thing and I just feel like the the kayfabe era was uh, was pretty special. But you know, as as social media expanded and uh, and it was impossible to maintain kayfabe. And then when Vince decided that uh, for tax reasons he didn't want to be a sport anymore, then then Vince Jr. Uh, completely destroyed kayfabe. And uh, after that, then it's a balance between smartness and being able to enjoy how it goes. And so there's a different way to appreciate uh, the business and the work now than than in the kayfabe area era. And in many ways, it's more a more evolved way of looking at it and appreciating it. Uh, but in some ways, I I, I uh, and sad that we lost that kind of innocence of the whole thing, you know, where where you could you could totally believe in professional wrestling. It was real, and uh, and I it was fun back then, but it's still fun now, and and uh, it's a different way of appreciating it. But uh, the 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 work in the ring is still so spectacular, uh, and and of course. Uh, in the strong style and all of this stuff, it's getting even more and more amazing, uh, the work that's being done. So uh, it has evolved, uh, but uh, I miss those days in some ways, but I'm glad to be uh, here in, in the present. Thank you so much. That was, that was awesome. And I appreciate you so much for letting us take the time to interview you and to, you know, get a little bit of a different insight from someone who's behind the scenes seeing everything from a different point of view. So I'm going to thank you once again, and I'll toss it over to George, who I know is hungry to keep asking you questions. He's over there smiling. So. Yeah, I, I'm over here, like, itching. I'm literally tapping my foot on the ground, Dan, waiting for, for me to get the microphone again. Logger. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, well, I'm going to be available to come back, so if you don't get to anything, we can always uh, have uh, have round two. 
Oh, definitely, Dan. No, oh, trust me. I, even if we finish this interview right now, Dan, which we still have like about 20 more minutes, so either way, that's fine. Oh, okay. But, um, yeah. But that's the, probably the enough thing, of me. <laughs> well, no, I'm just saying, like, I, I would assume that even with 20 minutes and with as much experience as you've had, you know, with Ring of Honor, WCW, WCCW, the list goes on, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure we're going to need a part two just to pick your brain. <laughs> so, well, that's perfectly fine. I've got, yeah, I've been at it a long time and uh, I know more than I can tell. So, Dan, to kind of piggyback off of uh, Red's beautiful question, uh, basically, like, I know you said that you missed the era of kayfabe, and, and so do I. Trust me, I'm more of an old-school guy than anything else. Um, if, if the kayfabe era, say, for the, just logic question or, like, for, for the sake of asking, do you think the era of kayfabe would still have survived with the era of what kind of fans we have now? Well, uh, you know, the the era has changed and and the fans are, have changed with the era. Uh just the the nature of fans back then was uh very different. People were not that uh interested in in knowing smart stuff. You know, people really didn't want to know that. And so there was not a a uh such a thirst to be a smart mark, you know. So uh, I feel that uh, the whole nature of fandom has changed as well as uh, the the nature of the business as well, you know. So I I, I think that there just weren't those types of fans back there that even wanted to be smart. Well, yeah, yeah, and a lot of people even – like, uh, from what I've noticed, uh, at least or heard, not noticed, but heard, uh, a lot of people pointed fingers at the era starting with ROH, like with the more high-paced action when they first started, uh, and it was still under RF video back in the day. Um, like, basically, ROH changed the physicality the, the or the name of the game when it came to to wrestling as a whole, and then all of a sudden the fans were asking for that kind of high-paced action more from Ring of Honor to then WCW, WWE, or WWF, uh, how it was known back then. Uh, you basically working with Ring of Honor and all, uh, Ring of Honor has come a long, long way from when it used to be under our video to now basically a glo- global phenomenon. Uh, what, what's your take on the growth of ROH? Well, you're right about the uh, the extreme era uh, coming on with ECW and Ring of uh, Ring of Honor, and the the uh, growth of the strong style now coming in from New Japan. Nakamura to me is the is the greatest wrestler working right now. I love the the strong style, uh, and Ring of Honor has certainly been at the forefront of all of that. And I, I think that this, this strong style, the Ring of Honor style of working is part of this renaissance that we're seeing right now in the business. And uh, the big league has, has noticed this. Uh, this is why it, uh, it had its own extreme era. And uh, this is why 
the great stars of Ring of Honor uh, soon become the champions of WWE because Ring of Honor is uh, the place that uh, champions are made right now. It's it, they, The dojo there is such an incredible place to learn. Uh, the leadership in the locker room is so fantastic that the guys coming out of there know the business and they know how to work and they are uh, masters at it because in Ring of Honor you have to be to keep up. So you've got uh, the Young Bucks, the Briscoes, you've got Roderick Strong, uh, you've got the uh, Davey Richards and Eddie Edwards who went on the TNA. You've got all of these guys, but you've got Kevin Owens, for heaven's sake, and uh, and, and uh, Sammy, uh, uh, who was El Generico. So all of the stars uh, in Ring of Honor have, uh, have been – uh, moved up into the big leagues, but now Ring of Honor is becoming the big leagues because they have just uh, signed a television deal. Sinclair Broadcast Group has signed a television deal that is going to put uh, Ring of Honor in all of the major markets. So they are going to actually have the biggest uh, houses watching television footprint in the business. Ring of Honor is going to be number one on television. And so uh, I'm excited for them to have that opportunity to step up to broadcast television. You know, there's no WWE on broadcast television. And uh, broadcast television has a huge footprint. It's what everybody can see. And so Ring of Honor stepping into that part of the broadcast spectrum is huge for them. And those guys are up to the challenge. They've, got, we, they've come a, a long way from when I uh, uh, created the production company and created the episodic show for Sinclair Broadcast back in 2012, was it, I believe? It so, seems so long ago now. But uh, we were able to grow the show through Sinclair Broadcast to where now they have seen their way fit to fund it in a more realistic way so that the production values of the show are fantastic now. They always had a great uh, crew behind them. Uh, Mark Davis, the uh, production manager, is a brilliant man, and he gets things done. And so he has been really the heavy lifter that has gotten that show and those productions done but he's got a, a, a great crew there. Uh, the, the guy that has taken over the directing, Chris Resnick, is a brilliant editor. And uh, he's, uh, because it's, uh, his editing informs his directing, he's becoming a good director. But uh, I have to say that were it not for Terry Silken keeping Ring of Honor alive after uh, RF Video had to drop it, we wouldn't have Ring of Honor. So the, the hero of all of this is Terry Silken for, for investing in Ring of Honor, for believing in Ring of Honor, and for keeping it alive until uh, Jim Cornette and Gary Juster could put together the deal with Joe Coff, who is a, a great uh, television executive there at Sinclair, who had the vision of this, was a wrestling uh, supporter, and so uh, 
those guys put together a deal that I could not turn down, and I was thrilled to go and help them uh, put this together for Sinclair Broadcast Group. But they are growing now, and they are I feel that they are actually legitimately uh, able to challenge the dominance of WWE on television with this new television deal that they have just done with Tribune Broadcasting. So that's that's going to be a big uh, story moving forward is the broadcast presence of Ring of Honor. And uh, I think that their commitment to the strong style is, is moving the uh, sport forward and, uh, and it's making the, the big league uh, be a little more uh, aware of what it puts in the ring. They're all, uh, WWE is fantastic at entrances and uh, all of the production values dwarfs anything anybody else could, could uh, afford. But now they're seeing that the, the stuff that Ring of Honor is doing and some of the other independents uh, is is changing the face of wrestling, and they have to uh, follow uh, the work rate and the style uh, up that the independents are leading the way with. So it's exciting to see uh, Nakamura in uh, in the WWE now. He's going to be fantastic if they don't screw up his gimmick. And uh, see AJ Styles, all these guys that I was so honored to work with at Ring of Honor, they're... Uh, on the on the world stage uh, and and just knocking it out of the park. I'm so proud of all of those guys, but uh, I was so thrilled to have been a part of putting Ring of Honor uh, into the television era, and now they are they are blowing it up. Well, I have a question here from uh, one of our behind the scenes uh, people uh, that I wanted to ask you, Dan. But before I ask you her question. Uh, as a matter of fact, I know earlier you were mentioning about some of your favorite feuds uh, in wrestling, including the, the Freebirds and, and the Von Erics. Let me ask you something. What was the, one of the top feuds in your, in your head while working for ROH? What was one of the top feuds that you enjoyed while working there? Well, of course, uh, the whole uh, uh, when Kevin uh, Owens was with us, the whole uh, takeover of Ring of Honor by the heel faction. Uh, that was a, uh, a brilliant feud that uh, uh, Delirious, who is a uh, genius at booking, uh, put together. He and uh, I, I, Jim was still there, of course, so he and Jim Cornette were uh, putting that together. But... Uh, uh, that was a great one, the takeover of the heels of Ring of Honor. But uh, there are so many great uh, uh, feuds there. El Generico and, uh, and Kevin were fantastic. And uh, I, it's just, the, I loved having also the New Japan infusion into Ring of Honor. That was a tremendous uh, uh new blood that uh, for both of those promotions. And so having the, the brilliant Japanese wrestlers, which uh, New Japan could be the best wrestling in the world, followed closely by Ring of Honor, you know. But yeah. uh, working with those two groups was uh, was really a, a global force. Uh, Dan, 
Ken, did you ever get to see the uh, rematch between Okada and Omega from Dominion? Yes. Was that amazing or what? Oh, my God. No, and that's the strong style. That's just uh, so spectacular and two of the best proponents of it. So yeah, I mean that's where wrestling is at right now. That's the that's the work rate and the tremendous technical skills uh being shown in the ring, which I think is the most important place to tell your story. Yeah, like that match by all means, like a lot of people would say, oh, but it was, uh, you know, this, that, and of course uh, the internet wrestling community would, would throw in their opinions. But to be honest with you, the one hour that Omega and Okada uh, got in that ring, let me tell you something, every move to me and every little segment meant something. It was showing a story, in my opinion. Because even after the Dominion um, uh, show ended, I, w- I went on to social media and I watched the, the, the post show. And I saw the Omega promo that he cut. And he said, oh, Okada, you know, you got what you wanted. You beat me. But I'm going to – and every single bad thing that I ever said about you – you know, I can't back up right now because I couldn't beat you. No matter what I threw at you, I could not beat you. And I'm going to go train to become stronger and better for I can beat you. Like, to me, I love the saga. I love the story that Okada and, and Omega are giving us in Japan. I, by all means, I feel like it's phenomenal. Absolutely. And the most important part of it is what happens in the ring. And that's where two incredible storytellers like those guys, two uh, wrestling artists, two world-class talents can make the in-ring action a, an incredible story. And that's, that's where it's at. And that's, I think, the new direction that Ring of Honor and New Japan are taking uh, wrestling, that it's back into the ring, it's between the ropes, that's, where, that's what's important. No, definitely, definitely, and I completely agree with you. So let me go ahead and ask you this question from one of our behind-the-scenes people. Uh, Lorraine, she's my COO. Uh, she's my right-hand person besides uh, Red here, no pun intended, because she's on my left. But, <laughs> but, uh, so Lorraine's my right-hand person, but Red Velvet is my left. But uh, basically, she wants to know, Dan, who would you say, is, in your opinion, is the best technical wrestler right now uh, best high flyer and best tag team. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to Nakamura as best technical because I like I like his style, I like his gimmick, I like his work rate, and uh, I think he's gonna get an opportunity on the big stage to show it. Now, as far as high flyers, man, there are a lot of guys that I could talk about in Ring of Honor. Uh, mm-hmm. It's. Uh, you know, it's a it's a spot fest when you go there. And uh, as a tag team, I've, I've got to go with the uh, with the Briscoes, just as because uh, I love their gimmick and uh, the way they work together as brothers. I think is is fantastic. So I I know they they don't get some of the limelight that they should, but I think uh, that uh, day in, day out, those guys would could go in the ring with anybody in the world 
and uh, and it would be fantastic. Uh, agreed. And mind you, I have to mention uh, you you talking. Uh, and by the way, Lorraine says thank you for answering her question, Dan. But um, but basically, uh, one person that you just mentioned uh, twice or three times now was Nakamura. Uh, I know you said earlier that you hope that WWE does not, you know, screw up anything when it comes to Nakamura because I have to agree with you. I'm on your same bandwagon there, Dan. Like, he is like the diamond in the rough. You you barely see anyone with that much enthusiasm and, and that much character. And by all means, I always considered him like the Michael Jackson of pro wrestling. So I have to ask you, like, because the rumors are saying um, that – Nakamura could possibly be the next, you know, John Cena for the WWE. And I know in the WWE's eyes, John Cena is like top notch. It's like the new Hulk Hogan, per se. Um, do you feel like Nakamura can fit that role? Well, Nakamura can be the biggest star for them without a, a doubt. I don't, you know, I don't, he, He's an enigma, though. You don't want to make him just a, a baby face because there's so much complexity with him and with his persona. So you never know. You, I want to never know with him. You know, he's pretty much a baby face, but you never know. And and the most important thing with him, I think, is that they don't uh, try to alter his style of work in the ring. Uh, you know, he's got the incredible charisma. His entrances are spectacular. You know, he he has the ability to move the energy just with the the look on his face. Uh, the, you know, the same way The Rock can. The Rock is amazing at that. But Nakamura is that way too. But but I want to preserve the enigmatic quality of it. Uh, uh, the the mystic weirdness that he possesses, you know, that's what makes him special. So he he may be a baby face, but he's got to be a baby face that you just never know what's going to happen with, you know. And uh, and he's coming from an exotic, weird space that is his own, you know. And so that that incredibly charismatic personality has got to be allowed to blossom both uh, outside the ring, but most importantly, inside the ring. Let him do what he does. Let that strong style uh, really shine because if you find the guys that he can work with, then that is going to be the most spectacular wrestling action you are going to see. So so let the man be Nakamura. That's, that's what I ask. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but, oh, and, and I agree completely with you. I'm on your same wagon on that. Uh, Dan, and I have to also say, uh, talking about Japanese stars, one of the greatest stars I see uh, besides Okada in Japan is uh, Naito, uh, the current IWGP Intercontinental Champion. And uh, (laughs) and to be honest with you, that's a guy that deserves to be in one of the main... Like, not saying that he's not, because New Japan is literally the, the, the WWE of Japan. But I would love that if Naito, and I know Ring of Honor has worked with him constantly, so this is like a two-part question here. Uh, I would love to see Naito being more exposed here in the United States, whether it's more more often with Ring of Honor or maybe an opportunity with Impact Wrestling or WWE. Like with you having experience or watching him or 
or even working with him. Uh, what do you have to say about Naito's career? Because this is a guy that constantly is always at ROH. Well, he also, and it was an incredible honor to work with him too, uh, but he also has uh, unlimited top side. He's, because those guys over there, they work harder at training and learning and learning the skills and developing their own skills than anybody in the world. So the guys that are coming from Japan are so well-trained, but uh, uh, to for for Naito to get a larger stage, I think <clears throat> he would totally step up to the plate. Now I know that New Japan is getting a more more of a footprint in the United States. I love their show on AXS TV uh, that is voiced over by the the greatest announcer in wrestling history, Jim Ross. So seek out AXS TV on Dish uh, or your cable or wherever it is because uh, New Japan is on uh, every week there. And I know they're starting to bring some actual events to the States. So I think it would be interesting uh, to see New Japan grow a little more. You're absolutely right. They are the WWE of Japan, and the, the Japanese wrestling market is huge. It's always been huge. Uh, all of our guys go over there and love working there. And so uh, to see the more of the internationalization of it with New Japan working with Ring of Honor and New Japan moving into the American territory, frankly, uh, I think it's very exciting. And, and if Naito doesn't get a shot in WWE, he may not need it because uh, between the new footprint of Ring of Honor and uh, the the more... Uh, expanded footprint of New Japan. He can he can be a world uh, star, a world superstar where he is right now. I completely completely agree. And, and to be honest with you, I love all the little memes that <laughs> that social media is making now because of how Naito treats the uh, Intercontinental Championship. To be honest with you, you don't see that kind of originality anymore. Like of a person that treats the belt like that, like. I've never seen a heel who grabs the belt and just destroys it just because he wants to. <laughs> I've never, ever seen that. So it, it's, it's a very fun story that Nigel's giving me. And, and to be honest, I'm a fan. I, I have to admit, I'm a fan of Nigel's work. Well, and, absolutely, his work in the ring. And, and certainly his uh, character is very powerful, too. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited to see what he does moving forward. Yeah, exactly. So basically, before I, uh, we end this interview, I, you know, I'm pretty sure there's other topics we haven't touched on. Uh, but uh, let me ask a real quick, Red, do you have any last comments or questions or anything that came to mind? No, I've just been soaking it all in. And it's great. I'm being a sponge right now. Uh, Dan, she's not lying. She actually has a notebook right here next to her, and she's, like, writing down everything. <laughs> Everything that we talked well, about, you. that's kind of scary. That's kind of scary, but it's a it's a super honor to be here with you guys. I'm really proud of what you guys are doing with this show and just uh, helping to move the business forward. It's very important that uh, that on these newly democratized uh, uh, social media channels that uh, people who are super professional like you come and take advantage of it. 
I like what uh, people are doing, like Capital Wrestling in New Jersey. My buddy Matt Ryan there is doing a fantastic job with a new promotion there, and he's using social media really expertly to grow his promotion. So what you're doing and what Capital uh, Wrestling is doing in New Jersey, working the social media networks, is very important to the future of the business. And thank you so much for being such pros at doing it. Excuse me while I go get a tissue. Uh, Red, can you take this over? I told you. I knew he was going to cry again. (laughs) (laughs) Two weeks in a row, Dan. Two weeks in a row. First, Jay Rios, an international star, and now you giving both of us the, these kind of compliments. I don't know how much more I can take, man. <laughs> with, well, you, you much- just got to keep stepping, keep stepping up to the plate, and because y'all deserve them, and uh, and that's how you do it. Take the next baby step, and uh, that's how it goes. Well, Dan, thank you so very much for your time on the show. I truly, truly appreciate it. It's a huge honor for me uh, and, of course, Red, to be speaking with someone as much knowledge and, and how much you've worked in the business with the people you've worked with is a complete honor, and I want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Well, it's been an honor to be with you, and anytime you want to talk to me again, I would be excited to, to be there. Awesome. Any last comments again, Red? I'm sorry. For no, all I like can say is just thank you so much for your time. Awesome. Well, Dan, thank you again. I hope you have a great day. We'll talk to you soon, and we'll probably schedule part two, okay? I look forward to it. Thanks, y'all. It's been an honor. Thank you, sir. All right, that was Dan Binham. I, I, I... He's crying, guys. I don't know how much I can take this, man. I'm going to start spending my money just to buy him tissues. Yeah, I think we're going to freaking run Costco out of business just on tissue sales. Yep. <laughs> or either that or we might have to cut down so many trees. No, I'm a tree lover, so. Yeah. I, I, I hug trees. Yeah. Wait, is it, was that sad that I admitted that <laughs> that I hug trees? Not at all. Okay, awesome. Do, are you a tree hugger, too? Yeah. Yes, tree huggers. Woo! Found it. <laughs> too sweet. Anyway, uh, guys, so uh, what a great interview that was with Dan Binham. Uh, you know, he gave us a lot of knowledge with the Freebirds music video, with WCW, WCCW, uh, working ROH, his opinion on Okada and Omega. Uh, you know, the list goes on and on. The guy knows what he's talking about. He's been around the business. He basically deserves to speak an opinion uh, for this business. So I was very honored and very proud to have him on the show here today. And, uh, Red, I'm pretty sure your head is swollen up like a sponge with all much stuff you found out. Yeah, but I'm grateful for all of it, and it's just going to keep uh, making me better and making this show better. So you heard the man. We got to step it up, George. Either that or I have to put my emotions on check. That too. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> But don't worry, I love you. Don't worry, I love you like a sister. But you always bashing me. That's how it is. Tough love sometimes. You know, I'm going to have to put up my tights and hit you with a chair and then retire right there and then because I swear if you're waking up, I feel like I'm going to be twisted like a pretzel. But anyway, no pun intended because you're from your mama's kitchen. 
but <laughs> uh, but uh, guys, we have another great show lined up for you next week. Uh, we're going to be visiting Maryland this time, and we're going to be talking to the king of Maryland or the king of MCW. I am talking about Ryan McBride. He's actually been around as well. He's a he's wrestled for CZW, the the very popular ultra violent company. Uh, he was actually the first Shane. Uh, Shamrock Memorial Cup winner by defeating uh, Kirby Mack uh, and and so on and so forth. So and on top of that, he's an MCW uh, superstar, uh, one of the guys who started the Maryland Championship Wrestling. Uh, so he will be with us next week. Another guy who has worked with many top names in this business. Uh, and if I start to give you a list, I think you'll be here to, for till tomorrow, and you'll skip training, Red. Yeah, no, that can't happen. <laughs> So I don't want to give you that list, but he will be with us next week uh, here on the show. Ryan McBride, I'm talking about. But what a show this was here tonight. We're going to be able to actually shut down on our proper time today at 7.30. So let's go ahead and be happy. We had a great guest, don't get me wrong, but we went over the limit. And uh, But going over the limit with Jay Reels was absolutely phenomenal with the stuff that he was sharing with us. But, uh, Red, before we now, we have a 10-minute uh, timetable here, go ahead with your plugs, my dear. Uh, if you guys want to come out this weekend, we're going to have a pro wrestling show for Fighting Evolution Wrestling in Clewiston, Florida, Saturday, June 17th. Uh, bell time is 7 p.m. And you guys can go check us out at Fighting Evolution Wrestling on Facebook. Remember to follow me on Instagram at law underscore velvet with two T's. And make sure make make sure you're following Russell City Radio to tune in every Monday at 6 p.m. to catch all the great interviews, all the backstage stuff, all the inside scoop that you don't want to miss out on. Yep, and on top of that, you could also, I think you could purchase two of your t-shirts too, right? You have a Pro Wrestling t-shirt? Yeah, if you want to purchase a Red Velvet t-shirt, you can go ahead to uh, ProWrestlingTees.com. Slash velvet with two T's. I, I need to purchase my shirt. You do. I, I mean, which one do you like better? The black one or the, I think you have a black with red and a white with red, don't yeah, you? Yeah, the one with the cake on it, uh, uh, I the, dig that one. That one's for me. But if you don't want to put a cake on your chest or look girly, you can go ahead and buy the white one. But they still are cool. Well, I'll purchase the red one. Nice. And maybe if it comes in, like, by the next week or two, I'll have a special red velvet look that day. I'll even paint my hair red. No, I'm just No, too much. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be the uh, red event uh, king. Does that even make any... I'm trying to make a pun here for the velvet teen dream that showed up in NXT. Now, mind you, <laughs> before I do... Yeah. <laughs> we'll talk about that next week. But because he came from MCW, as a matter of fact. Yes, I'm talking is. about Patrick Clark. He, he'll be, we'll talk to Ryan McBride about him next week. But basically, uh, you know, the, the case of the matter is this. Guys, I also want to announce this very, very special announcement. Um, and Red, this is going to be a very big emotional episode come July. I'm going to start working on this and confirming everything. But hopefully, if all works out, come July... We're going to have our next tribute episode, and this tribute is for none other than a guy who was the patriarch of pro wrestling that showed the world that size does not matter, 
when he fought Ricky Steamboat at WrestleMania. I'm talking about a tribute episode to the Macho Man, Randy Savage, and with none other, with guest starring here on the show, talking about his brother with the genius Lanny Popo. That is going to be phenomenal if, if everything works out. If it is, you're going to cry again. Oh, you might just flood the place. I might yeah, have that would be sad because, uh, well, at least I'll have my sofa to, to, uh, to swim with. Remember, I'm Cuban, girl. The Cubans know how to work with rats, okay? I can swim. I don't know about that, especially I'll, I'll push you down just for picking on me. <laughs> All love on this end. <laughs> oh, yeah. Can you feel it? Can you feel it? <laughs> we, we've gotten to a point that it's like, yeah, George wants to drown her, and he she wants to turn them into a pretzel. Uh, so, guys, for everyone out there listening, yes, like Red said, follow her on social media with all her social media outlets. Follow us on Facebook, facebook.com backslash Radio. Tune in here every week. Uh, oh, God, Lorraine says, Red, have tissues ready for George. Thank you, Lorraine. Yes, Lorraine. I appreciate that. Thank Got you for your support. You. Anyway, uh, you see how I'm always being picked on? Uh, but anyway, uh, guys, make sure you follow us on social media outlets as well. Like I said, Russell City. Tune in here on Block Talk Radio on the Roman Show Network on Block Talk Radio backslash the Roman Show uh, every Monday at 6. And, of course, on the Roman Show, I'll be special appearing every Tuesday as well. But, guys, for everyone tuning in here today, I thank you very much for all of your time. Tune in next week with Brian McBride. Till then, I want to say take care, be safe, and don't forget – Stay real. Good night, folks. Good night. Thank you all for joining us. Remember to come back next Monday at 6 p.m. right here on Block Talk Radio and get your dose of reality check.